Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, what does it mean to be a young adult besides knowing everything? We talked to young adult author Martin Wilson about LGBTQ books and authors for the middle school set. Plus, Biz lets it rip again. Woo! I'm calling to woo with you and check yes. in because I don't think this belongs as either a genius or a bell. <laughs> in fact, maybe it's a Drumbotron because I would like to give a big shout out to my butt for collecting all of the hair that falls out of my head when I take a shower. It gives me more time that I'm not cleaning my drain and it clumps it all together. And I'm not sure what's happening because I'm not really postpartum anymore unless you count three years. And my hair just is falling out and clumping. And every single time I get out of the shower, I need to, like, check for the clump that's stuck in my butt. And so <laughs> I can literally tell no one about this because it's so weird, but probably it happens to a lot of people. So I thought I would just give a shout-out to my butt. So thank you for this hotline. You guys are doing such a great job, and I love the show. Thanks. Wow. That may be one of my favorite check-ins ever. And it just falls so squarely in that sweet spot of, yeah, who are you going to tell about this? Who would you ever bring this up to? Like, it's a weird thing to share. And it's the perfect thing to share on this show. I would like to first say that your butt is doing an excellent job. This is weird. I don't know how your butt is collecting that hair, but I guarantee you, you are not alone. I guarantee you, just get over to the Facebook group because I am sure that within minutes of this airing, there will be a thread about other body places that gather hair where it falls, as it were. I really love this so much. And your hair, I am so sorry about the hair falling out. It is weird, isn't it? I am sure you are not the only, mine fell out for like a good year, year and a half, maybe, maybe longer. And then, you know, the stress of having children under three in my house, that didn't do a lot for my hair either. But yeah, I just think you're doing an amazing job. Your butt's doing an amazing job. And this whole community is doing an amazing job because this is where we come for the honesty, guys. This is where it comes to be shared. If you're scared of saying things because no one's going to like look at you the same ever again, this is where you come to share it because we will just keep looking at you. <laughs> you're doing a great job. Thank you for checking in. Speaking of thank yous, da 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 Gabe, we need to find like some sort of intense thank you music that's like, it's time for thank yous. I don't know. Uh, but let's let's ponder on that because that could be a lot of fun.
Thank you, everyone in the medical profession. I'm so sorry that we just keep fucking things up and now the numbers are rising again. I'm really, you know, we can't have anything nice. Haven't we proven that time and time again? So thank you for continuing to not run away. It's really nice. And that is also to everyone who works in the medical profession, not just the amazing doctors and nurses and RNs and EMTs, but all the people who make doctor's offices and hospitals and other medical facilities, you know, function and be clean. You're amazing. A special shout out to hospice care workers. I just want you to know that I see you and the care that hospice can provide to families is really remarkable. And I I know that this probably has been a unfortunately busy time this last year. And I just want you to know that I see you. Librarians, it's summer. Summer reading. Thank you for being open again and recommending books and just being awesome. Transportation workers, thank you, because, you know, we were returning to the world. And even before we started returning to the world, people still had to get around. And you showed up to your job and you did it. And I just hope even on a non-pandemic day, the people who drive us places and get us from A to B and make sure that's possible deserve a ton of respect and thank yous. So thank you. Sanitation workers, Thank you. You guys have made this bearable on many levels. Thank you. Thank you for that. IT people. I'm not sure we've really shouted out specifically to IT, but the past year has relied heavily on our computers and our devices and knowing that our office equipment's going to work and like Zooms and video conferences and And you guys probably have received a lot of really dumb calls. So I (laughs) thank you for your patience. Thank you for helping everything run. Teachers, I love you. School staff, I love you. I really hope you're having an amazing summer break because we're all coming back. So that, and it's going to be weird. So thank you. And finally, vaccines. Vaccines, the people who made vaccines and the people who poke you and the people who are going to sign up to go door to door and like reach out to people who have a hard time accessing information and vaccines. Thank you. If you have not gotten vaccinated, and there is not a medical reason for you to not get vaccinated, go get vaccinated. If you have questions about vaccinations, (laughs) the internet is full of answers. Uh, Well, okay, not all parts. Let's be really clear. Go to the CDC, call your doctor, ask a pharmacy, like check reliable fact-based sources for the benefits or potential risks of a vaccine. But I will tell you right now, the vaccine is doing wonders. So let's all go out and get those vaccines. Now on to me and my little check-in. Guys, we're still letting it rip here in the house if you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Beyblades. I don't know why I'm encouraging the (laughs) the Beyblading as much as I am. 
I think I might kind of like them. But I also like the idea of going onto Craigslist and other websites and searching for people who are ready to get rid of their very used Beyblades. We're not looking for perfection. I'm looking for somebody who for 20 bucks wants to pass me a giant bag of Beyblades. So last week I found a woman who was doing that and they were close by. So I went and got them. And it like, it was filled with like first gen Beyblades, guys. Hey, who have I become? I don't, <laughs> this is like the weirdest conversation I've had in a long time. But like, it had like first generation, like the metal fusion bays and then there was some sort of like shogun beyblades and then bay warriors which were guys beyblades are tops they're spinning tops that's what they are and you battle with them okay but they had these called bay warriors and it was like a top that had like a monster guy on and i was like there's no way that's gonna stay standing it did it did uh and they're really kind of fun but my issue what I'm taking issue with right now is I just want to know what types of Beyblades we've acquired. And we like to mix up all the Beyblades and try out different combinations of tops and bottoms and metals and tips and all this stuff. And I just want a resource where I can then look at these parts and say, oh, this goes with this. Or this is you know, Dragonoid Z or something, right? Like uh, version two, whatever. I just want to know what they're called. And there's no fucking website or book that I can find in which I can search by image, where I can just pull up images and then go from there. Lego, Lego kills it. Like I've got, we've got Lego encyclopedias for Star Wars or Ninjago Lego encyclopedias. And you open up the book and it's like the name of every character with their picture. So you could go through and be like, oh, I have this one. And these are its parts. Beyblades, you've been out since 1999. There should be a book that I can easily find. Speaking of reading... <laughs> I think that's going to tie in nicely as we continue looking at summer reading in the summer on One Bad Mother, because we are going to be talking to Martin Wilson, who is an author of young adult novels about the best LGBTQ books and authors for young adults. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. I am so excited! To be welcoming Martin Wilson on to One Bad Mother. Martin Wilson was born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He received a BA from Vanderbilt University and an MFA from the University of Florida. His debut novel, What They Always Tell Us, won the Alabama Author Award for Best Young Adult Book and was a finalist for the Lambda Literary Award. His second novel, We Now Return to Regular Life, was also a finalist for a Lambda Literary Award. He lives in New York City, where he works as a publicist in book publishing. And this fall, he is going to teach a course at Mont Holyoke University. And he is an old friend of mine from Tuscaloosa, Ooh. Alabama, Central High. Welcome. Oh my God. 
It's so good to be here. <laughs> a long time no see. We'll just go ahead and let you share the story. Do you want to share the story? About how you made me gay? Say I Say I knew it! All right, yes. That's our thing, isn't it? That's our thing, apparently, is I made Martin, as well as a number of other guys, gay. I mean... <laughs> If you've got a talent, use it. You were it. like a one bright spot of those years. <laughs> it's pretty crazy that I write about those years. And I remember, I, I realize I remember very little. Yeah. Uh, compared to your sister, Helen, remembers every detail. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't remember a lot. Right? But I remember you picking me up for that dance. Oh, my God. Was I in 10th grade? You were a freshman? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Was it homecoming? Yeah, it was homecoming. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> You did not make me gay, but that's a fun story. (laughs) I know. Well, it was the story that every time we would run into each other at one of Helen Michelle's parties, if if a cocktail or two had been had, it was (laughs) here comes Elizabeth, the girl who made me gay. I feel like that should be like a ukulele song. Oh, the girl who (laughs) made me gay. I want to start with your work before we get into talking about young adults as like a genre. Right. Your first book as well as your second, both have characters who are gay and are sort of wrestling with not being able to tell or being in the situations. And Helen Michelle and I joke, but it's not much of a joke, that like, we didn't know anybody gay, but which is a lie. We knew plenty of people who were gay, you know, in the 80s in the very, very deep South. What was it like when you started writing about this and like connecting your own past experiences. It was interesting because in some ways my characters are a little more self-aware than I was. Right. You know, I think that era, it was such a weird, like we knew certain people, famous people were gay, but we didn't like say that and we didn't acknowledge it, but it was kind of like, you just kind of knew with, you know what I'm saying? Like Boy George or George Michael or that sort of thing. So my characters are a little more self-aware than I was because I think I never really saw any gay person in the world that I could relate to. Yeah. And that's not to disparage anyone who was openly gay. I just, you know, I, I, I couldn't identify with, with anyone I knew who was gay. And so I, for a long time, I thought I can't be gay, even though I knew from a very young age that I was just like, I'm never going to get married. Like, I don't yeah. want kids. And not that you, gay people can have kids now, but back then I was just like, I don't feel this this desire to have this kind of normal life, so-called normal life. So it took me, you know, until college, really. Yeah. And when I finally realized it, it was just such a relief. And I just <laughs> felt calm. I was like, <laughs> now I can admit that I like ABBA. Yeah, <laughs> And other men. <laughs> other men. I mean, I didn't really come out right away. It was like right. an inner peace. But I stopped the whole charade of like, you know, watching friends saying how hot Jennifer Aniston was or, you know, just typical bullshit guy talk. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was like about a year in college. I had to be in the closet and then I moved to Austin and came out. And um, so going back and writing about it, it's my characters don't really, you know, they're not out of the closet, but they have people in the first book, he, of course, he has a boyfriend. And mm-hmm. and this new book I'm working on is kind of a weird sequel to the first book. But it's almost like I'm writing even more of a fantasy because it's it's about a character who finds a community of other gay, secretly gay teens. And I, I kind of wanted just to sort of rewrite 
gay kids back into those stories. I mean, it's set in 1990 to 91. And, you know, I try to make it as realistic as possible. But in some ways, it's like a, a wish, a wish fulfillment. Like, I wish I had yeah. like these two gay friends and in Central. And yeah, I remember in my class, you know, one of my dearest friends who is openly gay now, but I can remember him coming over to my house and being so upset because there was a rumor going around that he and this other boy had been seen kissing or doing something intimate, like in the locker room, right? And like, oh gosh, I know. And of course, it just was going everywhere. You're gay. You're gay. And I remember just being because like, at the time, again, there was no real language as much for it. I mean, am I supposed to say you're not gay? But like, what am I supposed to say? But that period, that was 90, 91, and that period of time, there may have been gay friends to be had, but just people, it was treated as if it wasn't even an option, like even a thing. Right. Was a, And you're right, you didn't have role models. There was no teacher who was out. There was no, like, my kids grow up with kids in their classes with two moms and two dads and, like, openly gay teachers and trans you know, friends, and it's, like, wonderful, but also shockingly different than what we grew up with. And people sort of, I think now it's so common, but you can roll your eyes, like, representation matters, but it really does. Yeah. And we didn't have representation. Like, None. the gay characters in movies, and there were no trans characters. Oh, I no. mean, maybe there were, but they were even more, like, yeah. you know, out there than gay characters. But the gay characters were, like, jokes you yeah. know well right i always think of anthony from designing women who they said wasn't gay oh and my gosh he even had a girlfriend but i'm like that man i'm like please girl oh, you are so gay like he you was know, so gay he was so gay and like but you're right like even on tv it was never the closest we had to somebody out was jack tripper on three's company and he wasn't even gay he was it was like it was cool to pretend you were gay so you could be right. around hot chicks. <laughs> Such times. Not to mention this book that has not been published yet, but mm. or maybe will never be published. Who knows? But <laughs> I did kind of a lot of weird research for it. And part of that entailed looking at like Tuscaloosa News. Like it, there's, you can look at Tuscaloosa News as it appeared on the internet. Like there's a oh. website you can go to. And I went day by day <gasps> and... I mean, it was hard on my eyes, but yeah. the articles about AIDS were oh. just like crazy. Yeah. And no wonder like you didn't want to, you know, acknowledge you were gay because there was that going on too. Yeah. And the articles were very like, this dentist gave this girl AIDS and this man opened a hospice in Mississippi and they want to run him out of town because they don't want gays, you know, to molest their children. And it was just so like all these depressing, scary kind of articles. So I mean, it's, it's probably a lot hard for people to, young people to kind of imagine what it was like back then. And there were many great things about that time. There's like a lot of nostalgia attached, but, you know, yep. there was a lot of awful stuff too, obviously. Well, right. I mean, like it really, I've said this on the show a couple of times that like my oldest, who's now going by Raiden. Raiden, yeah. Is like their sixth grade, seventh grade class. It's like a fight to out-gay each other, right? To be like, who is, like, gayer or who is more trans or who is more 
Japan or who is more. I mean, like, they have words that I am, like, constantly trying to oh. keep up with. And I keep thinking about, like, the worst thing somebody could have called you at Central was a lesbian. Right? Like, <laughs> like I'm not. I just like wearing jeans. Right? Like, it was. Oh, my God. Right? Like, it's it, it really is remarkable. That was, you know. Yeah, that was high school. That was middle school. Your first book is not the same as your second. Your second oh God, is no. deeply <laughs> disturbing on lots of levels, but beautiful. But it's like, thank you. But... It's less of a, like, the first one's more of a kind of a coming of age and like, we're, you know, all this. The second one, it's about kid who had been, you know, kidnapped, abducted, and then mm -hmm. is found like three years later. And it's, dealing with all the people who were in his life that he steps back into. And I want to get into what young adult means because both of those, I get into like those two storylines and one I can be like, yeah, I see it. But the one with the abduction, I'm like, I don't even know if I could get through this. Like, <laughs> even though it's so wonderful. So you've been working in the young adult genre for a while now. In fact, you just judged the Lambda Awards for Young Adults. And people who don't know, Lambda is a literary agency that's like championed LGBTQ books. Correct, yeah. And authors for a long time, even though I really want to be like Lambda, Lambda, Lambda from like Revenge of the Nerds, which is not oh what my it God. is. It's not what that <laughs> is. It's not. Not that at not all. Not at all. Not even a little. So, but Lambda has some gay you know, history, I think, uh, yeah. don't ask me to like go into it, but there's a lot of organizations that have the word Lambda. Lambda. LGBTQ, uh, yeah. Talk to me about what makes for young adult classification and like how as a publicist and as an author, one can determine what's enough, what's not enough, what's too much, Right. Right. It's it's a good question, and I'm going to be teaching a writing course this fall. Oh, teach me, Martin. About, about this. It's going to be insane. I'm really excited, but I'm going to have to kind of grapple with this. The short answer, really, I, we'll get into some other books that I read from for the Lambdas, because there are so many LGBTQ oh, yeah. books for young adult and middle grade and even picture books. And when I got my first Lambda nomination, like, I think there were maybe like, 20 yeah like yeah or maybe maybe more but but now you know there were like 150 plus like it was it's just exploded and which is fantastic and one book I read was was pretty racy and very sexual and it, I'll I'll talk about it later because I learned like, a lot please don't it. let that be the one that's on Raiden's shelf right now no I don't <laughs> think that's the one <laughs> I'm like I'm like you're reading great go pick out some books let's go anyway <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was like, wow, he got away with a lot here. And I think, you know, I think it's not really subject matter as much as perspective of the, mm. the person's point of view or telling the story. So, you know, for I always say, example, To Kill a Mockingbird is not way, even though it has young protagonists, because Scout is telling the story looking back from an adult perspective and has that wisdom of adulthood. And young adult really is the characters are in that moment living that life and they don't have that later knowledge that you know scout had or other kind of narrators had yeah so and not you know some people will be cynical and say like oh, it's a marketing decision or 
I do think like it has to be the perspective of being in that moment. Mm -hmm. What helps me capture that is I write in the present tense because I, I just, I like it. A lot of people don't like it, but it helps me keep it kind of, this is happening to this character right now. So that's the simple answer. I think there's other subtle things you can get into like, you know, the line editing of, of something, but that's like the biggest thing to me. And I think if you, if you kind of start trying to write YA and you're dumbing it down and you're, you're thinking you can't do something, then you're not doing it right. I think. <laughs> right. No, I, that's. I mean, I was in yeah. a book club with Helen and one of the books I remember I read, we read years before I wrote the second novel. And it was about this young woman who was written by a woman. I think I can't remember her name, Elizabeth Scott, maybe. And it was about this woman who, this young girl, sorry, who was abducted by this, this guy. And it was like very dark and, disturbing and went there and I was like wow this but young adult and um I was like I can I can do this I can do that (laughs) I can do that (laughs) I can write dark and disturbing for young people yeah but that book (laughs) that book nearly killed me I can't tell you I mean I'm proud of it and I'm glad it's out in the world and you had to go dark places to to write it I don't know if there could be anything darker than the Tuscaloosa News in the 90s but like (laughs) Within, and the like, TV choices and the, in the night. Oh, God. Were there ever moments in any of the, because you're working on the third book, where you're like, should I? I mean, like, has there been hesitancy? Is the is it like you said, the hesitancy is the sign that you should keep going? Or, and I ask this because, like, you know, I feel like the next thing I'm going to say is going to sound like you have a responsibility as a writer to do it. So that every child reads it the same way. Raiden is definitely a kid who processes the world by taking it in and trying it out. And that happens through friends. It happens through shows. It happens through reading. And there's wonderful things about that. Like there are a lot of great things that they've read and that they've then pursued and trying, sort of trying on. Then there's stuff like cutting, right? Or there's stuff like depression right. and talking about mental illness, and which is great. But simultaneously, I'm now walking through that with them because they're, like, trying it on. Like, I I will never limit what they read, right? But, like, it's something that I think if I was creating it, how would I, like, with that as an experience, would that, like, slow me down and, or, or, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess as a writer, you just you write what you want to write and it'll either hit with people or not. But have you had those moments? I mean, you know, the first book, I think the, the scene I worried about was the shower yeah. and I, yeah. you know, that wasn't ever, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which all my gay friends love. Um, I bet. I know, but I mean, everybody exclusive was like tennis. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I know. I was like, is um, tennis code for gay in Alabama? <laughs> back then, I think it was. Even I though know. None of, like, <laughs> tennis teammates were gay. I don't think. But I think, and this is more true of the second book, but I think I've just started to kind of, one thing that I always got from reading and from writing is just like, I don't know how you can be a big reader and a a person maybe who cares about, you know, quality television or movies that represents humanity and all its like ugliness and beauty. And I, the second book, I just kind of wanted to write about I just want people to, when you read, to see people with more complexity. You know, there's one of my favorite novels is Atonement. I don't know if you ever read that. Um, It's by Ian McEwen, and 
there's it's this amazing you know crazily structured novel but the first section is this young girl british girl and she like writes plays and she just writes like crazy and she has this thought that she's like no one can be as complex as i am no one can be as deep as i am because if they are then the world is unbearably complicated. And and guess what? It's unbearably complicated because, you know, not everyone maybe has the same depth or intelligence, right. but everyone is a human being with with deep wants and deep feelings. And I, yeah. I guess in the second book, I wanted to show how, you know, a damaged person can can still rise above that and also show that, like, the person who did that to him, you can't just write that person off as some demon monster like we have to start understanding people and treating people better I don't know I'm sort of rambling here but no I but I know I understand it's it is we we live in and it's, it's super heightened right now but it's always existed we live in a culture that wants to make us one-dimensional that wants to make right. us you know very binary and that there's no way to connect Right. Based on like one thing. Right. Right. And it's I I really do think of like Hillary Clinton in that debate with Trump where the question is, can you say something nice about each other? And <laughs> she says he loves his children. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? But does he? I know. I know. But this was way back now. But like. But I get your point. It's that finding. Like, we talk about it on the show a lot. Like, however shitty and, like, crazed you feel, no one sees the, like, you know, aging parents in your house or the kid that's got, that's just screaming at you all day. Not for any real reason. It's just what they're doing, right? Or the job or you've hurt yourself or, like, whatever. No one sees that. Mm -hmm. So, like, try to see that, right, in people. So it's much easier to just say monster, right? Because trying to see... More than that, I think, can trigger that feeling in us that we're okay with it, right? And and it's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I just understand that that person is like a monster plus. (laughs) Right. I mean, you have to understand them as a human because you can't fix the problems without acknowledging that. You know, Uh, when you dehumanize, even when you dehumanize someone like that, it's, it's still not a good thing, you know? Well, it leads you to think that there's only one. The new book is sort of, you know, not, it's so much in a, the vein of the first one, but yeah. like even more so. It's been like a joy to write, totally the opposite of the second one. Oh, I bet. But, you know, it's very much about a kid who like is realizing that he's lonely, but he also reala- starts to realize that everyone around him is a complex person and they have things going on with themselves too. And it's very much like about getting outside yourself, which I think. Which is you know, impossible maybe for teens to do. What are you talking about? Like, no, it's not maybe impossible. Maybe he's precocious. Not, <laughs> like, that seems like it's easier to come out and say that you're gay than it is to, like, I mean, see I the know. world through other people's eyes. But when, he, you know, he was lonely. He was lonely like yeah. like I was. And I think yeah. when, you're, when you're lonely, you're forced inward. Yeah. And when you're forced inward, you find some ways to cope. And, you know, for me, it was like creativity and other weird things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and in some ways I'm ha- I'm thankful for that because if I had a different experience, I might, you know, never have picked up a pen or, you know, typed yeah. or whatever. Um, and I'm glad I did. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually, that's the 
looking back perspective that it's hard to explain or as a person with kids having to witness that like Ugh, oh, I don't want to watch you go through this it's oh, about to be for, a big I mean, it must be awful. suck fest in here and I know that there's nothing I can say there's not like a single thing that you're going to believe or hear or anything and I also know you're going to have to go through some of this to come out on the other side of it and it like right. Yeah, it's awful. I don't want to do that. That must be so tough. It's horrible. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like it, Martin. I do not like it. I want to fix it, but I can't. I know. You can't. I just turned the television up. Okay. Let's <laughs> see. If you're going to go through horrible things, can you do it at your friend's house? That would be mm -hmm, a lot please. easier. Please. You're telling me that your newest one still is back in Tuscaloosa again and the in the not so distant past mm -hmm. have you ever thought about like writing like what is it like to write a book now about being gay or being somewhere on in the lgbtq world when it's not like it was in 1991 92 right i mean it is still that way in lots of places in That's this country so i guess you can always write about that but like have you ever wanted to write one where it's just like everybody fucking loves you <laughs> but where's the story in that I know that's true that's not like, very fun that's not I fun I mean maybe one day I think <laughs> but you said it I mean it's not like that everywhere not every place is California or New York or yeah. you know not every place is a city and so yeah I think just there's something about being that age it's still kind of like a, not a problem but you know has plenty of room for you know, drama and, you know, I don't know, hard feelings and... What you said is exactly right. It, it doesn't actually, I don't think it matters where a kid is. At that age, you're more prone to feel alone and like no one else is like you. Like even if you're surrounded by people who are just like you. Like there's something right. very turned in in the, that time period. All right. Talk to me about the boom in young adult books. Well, that's a good segue because there were books I read that basically exist in that world. Yeah. Where, oh, do they? Know, everyone's gay and everyone's happy. Not everyone's happy. <laughs> were but, they any good? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it was really interesting judging because it was, and I just outed myself as a judge, but. <laughs> like I said I it mean, earlier. <laughs> I've told some people, so, but I haven't told like the people who were nominees, but. There are so many new more books, and that's really fantastic. There is a lot of it is like you know, meh, not that great. But sure. but there was I actually was like thinking there'd be a lot of more middling work because I had kind of not been reading a lot of young adult fiction over the past few years. I just kind of went in my little bubble and yeah. was working on my own book and felt very disconnected from that world. And I still kind of do. Um, that's a whole other story, but. <laughs> But there was so much that was great. So the YA list especially was hard to winnow down to the five nominees. But one of the books I'll, I'll mention was Camp by Elsie Rosen. I've seen that one. We haven't read that one yet, but I've seen that out and about. It's really, it's it's just great. It's not perfect, but it's just it's just full of life. And it's it's set at this camp that, you know, it's a fictional camp full of LGBTQ kids only. 
And it's the main character is this kind of theater loving gay kid who has a big crush on this really hot masculine guy. And so he decides it's like his third year at the camp. So he decided he had decided before the book begins to like butch it up. So oh, yeah. this guy would this guy notice would notice it. him. <laughs> it's just like it doesn't matter who you're into. You all going to do the same thing to uh, try to attract. I'm going to fem it up. I'm going to butch it up. Butch I'm gonna, it up. This it's, is the summer I'll make myself over and they'll love me. Right. Like, yeah. Love anyway. It's really well done. It's, it's talk, you know, it handles toxic masculinity. It oh, handles, yeah. but I learned a lot of like the lingo. I'm like, what is this? What is that? I mean, I'm going to sound like an old well, fart, but we like, are old, but yeah, there was a term and I don't ask me it now because I'm forgetting, but like, there's all these like de- definitions of like, like there's a certain person who yeah. can only have sex if they're in love, which yeah. Hold on. A, I guess Let me go call the two kids who are in my house right now over to just go down the entire to educate us because it really I was like, what? What's the difference between that and that? I don't know. Like there were a couple of times where I'm like, isn't that the same thing? And it's like, no, it is there's a nuanced difference. Right. And, and this, I'm like, great, great. <laughs> Good. And this book was an education. It, it has all the all the characters, and it's really well done, and it's fun, and it's you know it's very sexual. So you might want to so is camp save that one for later. <laughs> but it was kind of you know it's kind of a fantasy. Like I don't think such a camp exists yet, but I loved it, and um, I'm glad like a book like that is in the world. And I would say that is an example of of a story with like conflict and and drama and tension, but set in a world that's just everybody like, happens to be gay. Right, like that's everyone's it. gay, and it's it's mostly great, and everyone loves each other, and it's fantasy world. But then there's the external world still intrudes. You know, mm-hmm. like the parents of one of the kids doesn't want him to. They're okay with him being gay, but they don't want him to be that kind of gay. You know, <laughs> they want him to be, play soccer and not be on the drama team or whatever. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like God. We just can never get it right, can we? Yeah. We are just so fucked up <laughs> we are just so like i'm like again you could take the sexual identity out of that story and still have adults being like don't be in the theater or don't be you know go place right like and yet we all sit here and say everybody's so different but i'm like no mm-hmm. you're not it's not. <laughs> doing the same thing they've done forever except oh except with better language that's all yes yeah <laughs> All right, what else? What else is exciting out there? So another one I loved, and I want to mention all the, at least the young adult ones, and we can maybe go into the other ones too. But yeah. One I really loved was called, is called Sasha Masha. Ooh. And it's by a writer named Agnes Berinsky, a trans writer. And it's this, because I'm gay, people who are not gay assume that like, I, I know everything about being trans too, yeah. and that nothing could be further from the <laughs> truth. So... I'm like it's not the You're same. You're not an expert. I know. I sadly so, know, but yeah. I've I've read a few like trans YA middle grade novels, and it just it's just fascinating. The stories are always different. Like there's yeah. not one like one same experience. Although there's you know some universal things that are are going on, but it was a fascinating. I loved the writing. It was very just kind of like it was unlike a lot of the YA writing I'd read. It was very like cool and like direct and not kind of like it was it wasn't like there's there was a lot of 
this, a lot of the writing I encountered and judging was like, look, I'm being YA, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm YA. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but there's well, a lot but of you that. you have to read a ton of that stuff or it begins I mean, to fall through the signs. I, yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah. And a lot of the, the good stuff stands out and there's yeah. a lot of the good stuff. So it was easy to like, anyway, it, the writing in it was just kind of like, it was almost like Brett Easton Ellis kind of writing, but like, but not, not as like dark and, and like depraved, but it was just like a different style. But anyway, it's about this, this boy who had this lesbian friend who moved away and he's in high school and he's dating this girl and. But then he thinks of the time that with his friend who moved away, they dressed up and he wore a dress and he decided he just a name came to him, Sasha Masha. And it's it's about their journey to, you know, figuring out who they really are. And it it ends, you know, it ends open ended. It's not like it doesn't have some kind of pat ending. It's yeah. more about it's more about the journey to like self-acceptance. And then there's you know, what comes next is not in the book, but like, I, I thought it was fantastic. Oh, that's great. It was loved by all the judges as well. So, and I probably will teach that book in my class this Ooh, fall. So, that's yeah, awesome. Was, Very nice. Uh, that is high praise. I really loved it. And it, you know, it, it was one of those books that didn't get, it didn't get a lot of attention that as far as I know, like there are a lot of books that were in the mix that I knew had gotten a big push from the company and, showed up on all those lists that, you know, drive publicists like me crazy, like the top 22 books coming out yeah. this fall. And it's like, <laughs> my book's not on it. Why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the hyped books, you know, I didn't love as much as some of the ones that were not as hyped. So Sasha Masha was definitely one of those. The one that won was fantastic. It's a graphic novel called Flamer. Oh, okay. By I was going to ask Cr if there was a graphic novel because we – very into that in this house. Oh, you'll. There were some great. There are two that were finalists in the YA category. So okay. Flamer won, and it was just fantastic. Um, another camp novel about a young boy who, I think he's Filipino American, and he goes to this camp, and you know, it's it. I related to it a lot. It was just very much like he wasn't. It wasn't. It's not a coming out story as well. It's like he has these feelings for this this cute guy in his troop or I think he's maybe it's a boy scout. Sorry. It's been a while, but um, no worries. the way the, the writer, the story was beautiful and just the art, how the art like enhanced the story. It was just like a really brilliant piece of work. And it, it like really broke my heart. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> so in the end, the, the heart one, the break, the heartbreaking one, the day, another wonderful graphic novel that we um, was a finalist called the magic fish by, Trung Lee Nguyen, okay. a Vietnamese-American writer. And it's about a young boy who is, you know, gay. And his mother is um, misses, you know, her homeland. And there's like, it mixes in like these fables. And oh. it's, it's really interesting. It's really well done. And the other finalist was a really sweet, Store novel called "You Should See Me in a Crown" by Leah uh, Johnson, and, and That's it a got great a lot name. of yeah, it's great. It got a lot of good coverage, and it, it's just like a book you're so happy that's out in the world. It's about a black girl, and she wants to be the prom queen so she can get a scholarship. And yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So oh. there were a lot. There were like books that I wish would have made it as well that were were every bit as just as good as those. But 
those are five fantastic reading recommendations for anyone out there who needs them. Oh, <laughs> we always need them. We're always looking. <laughs> We're always looking. What's the, give me a younger category. Do you have those too? Do you have a yes. couple from those? So the one that won is called King and the Dragonflies by Kaysen Callender, uh-huh. who's a, a trans author and... They won the National Book Award, actually, also for this book. And it's about a boy in Louisiana whose brother had died, and he's realizing he's gay. And there's another boy in town, a white boy, and they kind of have a friendship. And, you know, it tackles racism and sexuality. It's just really beautifully written as well. The Deep and Dark Blue by Nikki Smith is another graphic novel. It's sort of set in a fantasy world and it's about two brothers it's kind of hard to describe it's <laughs> it's i don't read a lot of stuff like that so i'm like i'm gonna sound like an idiot if i try to describe the plot but it also has a a trans or gender non-binary character which you know they're they're sort of rare for that age group and it was good to see that represented a high five for for glenn burke was a really great middle grade novel and it's about a gay middle school kid and he's obsessed with he plays he's plays baseball and he's obsessed with this professional athlete named Glenn Burke who was a professional baseball player who not only was he gay but he invented the high five so what the that's story, great yeah it's Glenn Burke has a really interesting kind of sad story but um he was kind of you know kind of thrown out after he came out and yeah mm. anyway high and then there were two great <laughs> High fives! <laughs> High fives! <laughs> and um, I'll try to stop being blather so much, but there were two great picture books, and one was called Our Subway Baby, and it was oh. about these two um, gay men who find this baby on the subway platform. It's a true story. And what? they, yes, it's a true story. I couldn't believe it. Like, I don't know if I ever heard the story when I, I lived in New York. Yeah, okay. But they, like, rescued him, and it became a big thing. And then, you know, long story short, they ended up adopting him. And the yeah, story you, is sweet. You find them. They're yours. That's I mean, how it works. That's how you get kids in your house. You just find uh, them. It's crazy. <laughs> but it's a, crazy. the artwork is wonderful. Oh, the, um, and it's by the writer is Peter Mercurio and the artist is Lee Espinosa. But the really amazing thing about it is when I finish, they have this afterward in the back. And they show the two gay dads with their, their son who's like in college now. And he's like this Aww. beautiful kid. It's like really sweet. It's, it, was, it was great. And the last one is this other cute picture book from Archie to Zach by Vincent X. Kirsch. And it's about two little boys who just love each other. Love each and other. And they don't think about it. They don't, yeah. you know, ask what is, what is it and question it and try to label it. They just, they just love each other and they want to hold hands. So yep. it was very sweet. So <laughs> oh, the world can change everybody. I mean, The world is a better place for LGBTQ kids today, for sure. It's not a perfect world, but I'm glad these books exist, and there are many others. Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. So great seeing you. Good to see you. Bye. Bye. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Made In. 
If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check out Made In. Made In is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. I have a chef's knife from Made In. And if you are like me and did not grow up with quality knives, <laughs> The first time you use one, it is amazing. It is the, it's like, why have I been making everything so difficult all of these years? And again, Made In does not just do knives. Made In products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code BADMOTHER. This is the best discount available anywhere online for made-in products. Go to madeincookware.com slash badmother and use promo code badmother for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash badmother. Use promo code badmother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Gabe. <laughs> Woo! I'm getting the Gabe jazz hands. Teresa is still hiding in the bathroom. Don't worry. I don't think she's trapped in the bathroom. I think she's just recovering in there the best that she can. So once again, it is time for geniuses. Genius me. Me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. God, that's fucking genius. Okay. For Christmas, I received a gift card to our local comic book store, and I have not used it, and I used it uh, two days ago. And I went in, and it's a wonderful comic book store where I can say stuff like, oh, 13 years ago, I read this comic book series, the, the last thing I read would be DC Final Crisis. And I read every like, you know, a, appendage of that. But, you know, I have, I've read here and there. Blah, blah. And the guy just took my, took my like virtual hand as it were. And we walked through that comic book store and they pointed out where all the new stuff is starting, the new big overarching storylines and really good authors. And I went nuts. I went nuts. And I brought home a huge stack of trades, which were just sort of like collections of all the individual little tiny paper comic books. And there's just a big stack next to my bed. And I, of course, have already burned through two of them. And they were excellent. They were good. Deceased. So it's like diseased, and but it's like, they spell it with the DC. And it's about like this plague that takes over the entire, it's amazing, like it, superheroes get turned, it's all awful, people like, but it's just great. So I'm doing a really good job taking care of myself. Thumbs up from Gabe! 
Hey, y'all. I have a genius that definitely nobody cares about. <laughs> I have a one-year-old that, for the life of us, no, we cannot cut this one's nail. She just wiggles, wiggles, and refuses to hold still. Well, today, I was wearing her in a backpack, and she fell asleep. And so I went over and got the nail clippers and pulled her little hands forward while she was sleeping, and I'm on the move. And I trimmed her nails. So now she can stop scratching the back of my neck. It feels so ah. nice. Oh, and Teresa, I know how to dial the hotline number because I can hear your voice saying it in my head when I go to dial. You guys are doing a great job. And today, so am I. You are doing a great job. And you are right. Who is going to listen to that story? Again, besides us. Besides us, this is like where we begin to like trick all of you guys and sort of like brainwash you. No one cares but us. You can only trust us. Though I, I dare us to go out into the world and share these stories anew. I mean, we're all kind of coming back into the world, right? No one really knows how to talk to each other anymore. This is the perfect time to unload all of our parenting geniuses. This is genius. Two geniuses. One, getting it done. And two, even thinking to do it. When the baby fell asleep on your back. You are amazing. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, biz. <laughs> okay, I will. So in my constant pursuit for finding deals for Beyblades or uh, Lego Ninjago, uh, because I gotta tell you, Ellis plays with this stuff and creates all these stories, and it's just awesome. And I just, like, I love watching it happen. So I'm all right, you know, cruising the eBay and the Etsy for stuff. Well, I found a set of Ninjago minifigures from the Serpentine season. So it had all of the, like, Ninjago ninjas and then all the different snake characters again if you have not reached this in your parenting yet this, let this just be a foreshadowing for you okay and if you're in this you know where i am you know why i've gone completely insane anyway i found the set it said lego ninjago and i got it and i gave it to ellis and ellis was just like this is the greatest thing ever we've been playing with it and they took some to summer camp and their friend, who knows a great deal about Legos, this seven-year-old knows a lot about Legos, shared some facts about these Legos. And the next morning, Ellis comes to wake me up and just says, very matter-of-factly, the Legos you got me were fakes. And I was like, what? They're fakes. So-and-so. <laughs> So-and-so. So I'm just going to say that the kid's name is Carl. Carl says they're fake. And I was like, I am pretty sure they're not fake, Ellis. You know, that like, I, you should ask your father. Carl says they're fake. And I don't know why this got under my skin, but it did. Because I'd done this nice thing. And the fact that I bought fakes made me like really mad. And that my like seven-year-old's calling me out on fake. I don't know. This really pissed me off. And Stefan comes out later and says, yep, they're not like official Legos. And I'm like, guys, I know what a fucking Lego looks like. It's not like they're total garbage versions. They are 
so creepily. Oh, I don't understand how they're not Legos. Anyway, I have reached out to that person and said, these are not Legos, according to the entire seven-year-old population of Pasadena, California. And so hopefully I will get a refund on these. But I bought Ellis fakes. Ah, I'm a monster. I know Gabe is giving me the big thumbs down. Big thumbs down. Hi, Biz. Hi, Teresa. I'm calling with a fail. So I've got two kids. My youngest is two and a half. I still have this big pregnancy pillow hanging around my house because, you know, it's the choice to do. I don't get rid of stuff. But I saw it recently and I thought, I'm tired of picking up this thing. I'm not having any more babies. Somebody else can have this pillow. So I put it on my local Buy Nothing group. I posted. I said, hey, I've got this pillow. Who wants it? Someone said yes. So now tonight, I'm walking over to give it to them. Just drop it on their porch. Leave it for them. My daughter, my sweet, nearly six-year-old daughter, saw me with this bag with this giant pillow inside it. And she broke down. She says, Mom, you can't get rid of the snaky pillow. I haven't played with it in forever. I forgot about it. Please don't get rid of it. I was like, that's, that's exactly why I'm getting rid of it. No one touches this damn thing anymore. <laughs> oh, anyways, that's my fail. Long story short, my husband calmed her down, blah, blah, blah. She's fine now, but seriously? Seriously. Oh, I'm failing as a parent. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. You're doing a horrible job. And let's all, let's all be real about this. Y you start the story off by saying... Then I saw it on the floor. We all know how big a pregnancy pillow is. You could live in like a six-bedroom mansion and you would still trip over that fucking thing because it's huge. It's like a life raft. It is ginormous. It is, it is cumbersome. If I was going to use the word correctly, a pregnancy pillow is cumbersome. And... A, you had it a while. That's impressive. And B, I'm actually very impressed that you were going to throw it away. But yeah, children having emotional attachment to things that they shouldn't is really frustrating as a parent. And I, that's why in our house, we just treat it like we're trying to get rid of a dead body and we don't want anybody to see it. There was this like stuffed dog, Bubba, who we had for a really long time. And it was really gross. It was big. It was like one of those big like stuffed animal, like, you know, the length of like a desk or something. And Onion, the cat, loved Bubba and loved Bubba in a way that left a smell. And it just, it was gross, guys. I needed to get rid of that thing. And <laughs> we did. We did. I just was like, Stefan, come here. Come here. We're going to get rid of Bubba. But we need to, like, put it in a bag so that if anybody opens the big trash can for some reason, they don't see it. And we did. We just snuck it out in the dark of night. So let that be a lesson to you. Sneak things like that out in the dark of night. <laughs> You are doing a horrible job thinking that you can just get rid of something that belongs solely to you. Ah! You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you.
One Bad Mother is supported in part by Bowl and Branch. Little details, everybody. It's the little things in life that make life better. And as a parent, I have found finding those little things that are just for me very difficult to find. So when I do, I grab onto them and hold on for dear life. And that is what I do with bowl and branch sheets. I do squeeze those things for dear life. <laughs> These are so soft. Bowl and branch manufacturing partners are family owned businesses that share the same values and standards and they stand behind their products and honor a 30 night worry free guarantee. The only place I have left is my bed right now. <laughs> And even that I have to share with the cats. Having the perfect sheets makes that little alone time that I do have feel remarkable. To experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code BADMOTHER. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code BADMOTHER. Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. <laughs> okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, Mario. <laughs> and of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to get to heaven, sometimes you gotta raise a little hell. <laughs> Oh, that's the tagline! <laughs> Check out Story Break every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jordan Morris, creator of the Max Fun scripted sci-fi comedy podcast, Bubble. We just released a special episode of Bubble to celebrate the launch of our new graphic novel. At SF Sketchfest in 2019, we recorded a live show with Allison Becker, Eliza Skinner, Mike Mitchell, Cristela Alonzo, and special guests Jean Grey, Jonathan Colton, Jesse Thorne, Nick Weiger, and a bunch of other cool folks. We suspect he'll show signs of mutation when in a state of excitement. Now, Annie matched with him on Tinder, so she's going to act as the honeypot. I do enjoy being called a honeypot. Hey, you know what's better than honey? Gravy. <gasps> oh, yeah, can I be the gravy sack? Out now on MaximumFun.org and wherever you get podcasts. And pick up the graphic novel at your local bookstore today. All right, everybody, settle down and settle in. It's time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, this is Teresa. This is a rant. I am leaving for a, what, three-night vacation. Vacation? We're going out of town tomorrow <laughs> with Lefty and our two kids who are three and almost two. And I work full-time, as does Lefty. But it's just the mental load of 
packing. It's insane. It's, it's, it's absolutely bonkers. It's trying to do a good job at work and be on all the phone calls and, you know, do all the things while simultaneously <laughs> counting diapers and wipes and making sure that there are enough clothes in case, you know, there's a blowout or poop bags and diaper wipes and diaper cream and toothbrush and toothpaste for all of them, for everyone, and nail clippers and lotion and shampoo and everything. And we're staying at an Airbnb, so we have to do a grocery pickup, so download the app for the local grocery store, make a list for that. I mean, it's just it's 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 crazy town and i'm tired and i don't have enough brain power for it and i think that's all i love you guys you guys are great bye you think that's all that's enough you're doing an amazing job oh i really uh had blocked that out of my mind that experience you just brought it racing back. Being president of packing is definitely one of those responsibilities that I don't think anybody even thinks to talk about before the trips start happening for the first time. It's not like you're like, what do you want to name the baby? Let's name him this. I can't wait to kiss baby toes. Me too. It's going to be so good. Oh, okay. Let's talk about maybe sleeping at night and shifts and taking care of the baby. No one's like, okay, in a year from now, when we take a trip, who's in charge of packing? <laughs> no one thinks about that, but it's, it is like planning for like some Arctic expedition. You're right. You do have to count diapers. You do have to like, and uh, whatever you pack in your carry-on, you're going to go through them. L let's say you pack like 10 diapers for a three-hour flight across country. Oh yeah, those are gone. Those are going to be gone so fast. I remember like one of our trips, I think, yeah, it was Ellis. Ellis blew out that diaper every 40 minutes and it was just like I, I what is happening like right up the back you know what I'm talking about right you got to have the change of clothes you got and like, like so just your general carry-on just becomes its own thing how many diapers are in there how many changes of clothes and then you got to remember changes of clothes for yourself because that baby is going to pee on you or throw up on you and you know it it is definitely a moment for budding resentment, right? Like it is a, a garden bed just ready for resentment to grow as you have to, because you are the one who is thinking of all the tiniest details. And don't forget the loveys and don't forget whatever the kid needs to sleep at night, you know, and then the charging cords. And then the, the, the list goes on and on. And... That is on top of your normal work in which it sounds like uh, you also have to deal with the long list of planning and kind of keeping everything in the front of your head. And I just want you to know that we see you. We see you standing there doing this. We really, really see you. It is a lot. 
And my other favorite thing that you said was, we're going on a vacation. No, wait. We're going away for three days. (laughs) It's it's like exactly what that is. That is not a vacation. You are going. Everybody should just refer to vacations with children as going away for X amount of days. (laughs) This is definitely not a vacation. You are doing an amazing job. And I hope you packed something special just for you. You are doing remarkable. I feel like today was just a show about unpacking and packing. Don't you think? (laughs) From our rant in which you're president of packing to the wonderful Martin Wilson, who is helping to really hammer in the summer of reading, one bad mother, talking about young adult novels that are about and by people who are from the LGBTQ community. And it's it was just so nice talking to Martin and remembering like we we both made choices in our lives to be places where diversity was i don't know just reflected more around us all the time right and i i do remember martin's right there was no gay role model like it, that you could identify not even a role model just somebody you could identify with and say that's an adult who is not heterosexual, right? Like that just didn't exist. And I know in lots of places, I'm sure it still feels like it It doesn't exist, but he's right. Like even in a time where it feels much more acceptable, uh, if you think that your voice doesn't matter, you might be wrong. It, it really could matter to somebody who's very close to you. And and I think that's true of lots of aspects of our lives. You know, I, we all impact each other. And that can be really amazing. I'm going to only think about the amazing ways we can impact each other. <laughs> and I also really like talking to Martin about the idea that even the worst of us out there are made up of many different dimensions. And, you know, we don't know what's going on. You know, what happened five minutes before we ran into that person in the parking lot. We don't know what happened five minutes before when, you know, that person cut in front of you in the checkout line or left the cart right in the middle of the parking space, right? Like, (laughs) these people are not monsters. But you understand what I'm trying to get at. That, like... Trying to approach each other with, you know, deeper understanding that we are more than just these, you know, one word descriptions is good. It's good. You are not a one word description. (laughs) I'm not a one word description, despite what they wrote in my yearbook. Everybody, you're doing a wonderful job. It's also really hard to go out and be very empathetic and nice and like, uh, sometimes we also don't have that energy in us either. And that's okay too, okay? You're all doing remarkable. We are halfway through summer, everybody, halfway, and you're doing it. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. 
We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.